Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church today. Great to see everyone. Hope that you're well. I have to say, from, from my point of view, it's nice to be back in the building. I don't know, I, I've missed one weekend and I feel like I've missed about three months. Um, but it's good to be back and great to see everyone's faces. And it's just a pleasure to be in God's house to worship him today. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus in our praise and hopefully in what is shared. Whatever God wants to do in this place today, we just want him to move and to have his way amongst us. So let's just stand if you're able to stand. We're going to pray, then we're going to praise his incredible name. Father, we just thank you that you're here. And Lord, that's what we cover in this place today is your presence. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would move amongst us today and accomplish the things which are on your heart for us today. Father, you know the week that we've had as we've come to worship you, as we've come to church today, as we've come to fellowship. And uh, Father, we just pray that you just touch each one. Father, that you'd meet each one of us at our point of need. Each need, each person is different. But Father, we come into your presence today knowing that you have the power to speak and just to act according to your will. And so Father, we just do indeed pray that you'd come and that your kingdom would come in this church today as it is in heaven. Father, in our lives today as it is in heaven, in our families today as it is in heaven, Father, we ask that you would come and that you just present yourself here today. Lord, we just look forward to what you want to say to us today. Father, we pray, even as we worship you, Lord, we've quoted that scripture so many times that you inhabit the praises of your people. And Lord, we just ask that you'd come and live in our praise. Lord, we just pray that it would be an overflow of praise to you today. Father, coming from deep within our hearts. Father, even for those who are joining us online, Father, may they really feel part of what's happening in your house today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Let's praise him.
just thinking about the verse three and the song, the song that we'd sung just before that one. Um, and it was just as I was singing the words of that song that, you know, it says, our guide through the wilderness, our joy and heaviness, our way when it seems there is no way. And uh, just as we were singing that, just something came back to my mind that I'd been just meditating on just recently. You know, I've quoted that verse from Isaiah 43 so often about streams in the desert. But I think I saw something different in that verse just recently. And, and, and it's that as we walk through the desert times, then we can make we can make that desert a place of springs. There's a verse in the Bible where it says, uh, when we walk through the valley of Baca, we make it a place of springs, the, the valley of tears. When we walk through difficult times, we make, we make that a place of springs. And it's because of how we carry ourselves as we walk through difficult times, how we walk through those wilderness experiences. And... I just kind of thought what I saw, maybe for the first time actually in this verse, is that the deposit that God has put within us, the deposit of the Holy Spirit, when we walk through dark and difficult times, that's what comes out and that's what makes it a place of springs. That's what makes the difference. That's how we look different to other people. That's when people begin to say, I want what some of those guys have got. It's because of the, the work of God in our lives. And when we walk through the wilderness, he, he is our guide. He's the one who leads us and walks with us. And, you know, you think about uh, Psalm 23. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. You know, the, the devil wants to come and attack us and to bring things against us, to give us bad dreams, to whisper things into our ears that would discourage us and take the courage out of us. But I believe God just wants to put courage back into our hearts today and to lift us. And just to encourage us today. Um, Sarah, I wonder if we could maybe just sing this we know again. Um, and we'll just, let's just spend a little bit more time in this song. And just, uh, you are who you say you are. You'll do what you say you'll do. You'll be who you've always been to us, Jesus. And let's just focus on him. And let's just allow him to come and fill us as we worship him today uh, and just to give us what we need for this day for this week that lies ahead as we worship him you are who you stand to sing
Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're that one constant in our lives. Father, you never change. Father, your word never changes. Your promises are yes and amen in Christ. And Father, we thank you that what you have said, you will fulfill. Father, nothing is impossible for you. Father, even the situations that we are facing in life just now. Father, you are above those situations. And Father, you will carry us through those situations. Lord, you've promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to come back to the promises that you've made. Father, whether it's over our lives individually, Father, promises that you've made to our families or promises that you've made to this church. Father, we ask that you'd help us to stand on the promises that you've made. Father, to be confident in who you are. Father, we are weak sometimes, but Father, we know that in our weakness, your strength is made perfect. Father, when we are weak, you are glorified in our lives. And Father, we pray, we pray, Father, that in the days that lie ahead, people's, people's faith, Lord, those who will come to faith in this church, those who will become Christians in this church, Father, we pray that their faith and their confidence would not rest on wise words or persuasive arguments, but Father, on a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and that you would have your way in our lives, in our families, in this church, and that you would move amongst us in, a, in an unprecedented way. Father, we pray, we pray that we would see that demonstration of the Spirit's power in our lives. Father, that we would bring glory to you through the way that we live our lives. Father, through just stepping out in obedience to what you have asked us to do. And so, Father, we pray, help us to lean into all of those things. Father, to press into those things. Father, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Father, help us to keep our eyes fixed on him. And Father, we recognize that we're surrounded Father, we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Father, those who've run the race. Father, those who uh, are in heaven fighting on our behalf. Father, we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses who are cheering us on and who are willing us to succeed. Father, who are willing us to push through and to battle through even though life is challenging, life is difficult. Father, there is a cloud of witnesses who are cheering us on. And Father, we thank you that you are cheering us on. Father, you're always cheering us on. Father, you, you're always writing us, writing new things into our lives, Father, through your word. Father, you never write us off. You're always writing things on. And Father, you're cheering us on and you're encouraging us. And Father, we pray, help us today to take courage from who you are. Father, to take courage from the promises that you've made. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to continue to stand in those promises. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen, a hearty amen. So good to be just in church to worship today. Oh my goodness. I think I said earlier on there, I missed one weekend, a Friday night and a Sunday morning. And boy, I, I just so missed it. Um, I so missed being in church with God's people. But it's good to be here today, good to be in his presence. And so good to see what I can see of everybody. Masks are still a requirement at the moment, unfortunately. Oh. So can I encourage you to give me feedback today as I speak? Because all I can see is a little tiny, tiny part of who you are. Um, and, you know, I, I just need that feedback. I need that encouragement today. So can we make a deal today? You encourage me, I'll encourage you. How does that sound? For those who are online, leave a comment, say amen at the appropriate places and time. Um, hang on a wee second. Need to get that lead out from under my feet. Um, as you know, um, track and trace is no longer required, so I'll not be doing more photographs, no more reasons to smile, even though you get masks on and who would know anyway. But it's amazing what your eyes say. Um, now, Fred Drummond was supposed to be with us today. Fred's uh, heading up Evangelical Alliance in Scotland. Fred has been unwell for a number of weeks. I didn't know that until the start of the week. And he had hoped to be back in, uh, in, in full swing this week and be with us today, but he's not able to be with us. So um, let's just keep praying for Fred. And he will be with us at the end of August instead. We've rescheduled that. And Monday, 9.30 in the morning on Zoom prayer. Wednesday, 7.30 at night on Zoom. We pray again. And uh, on the 10th of April, not next Sunday, but the 10th of April, uh, we'll gather again at 6.30 on Zoom to pray for the prodigals. So 
just so that you're aware. It's not at the first of the month as normally planned, but it will be pushed out a week. And also today is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the, the mothers and to all the ladies. In fact, um, it's great. What would we do without our mums? And so there's a little gift. You should have received that on the way in for all the ladies. If there's any left, maybe the guys can get some on the way back out. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just so good and such a nice day for Mother's Day. So I hope you have fun, whatever you do uh, throughout the rest of the day. I do want to put out that appeal again today. We need to strengthen our tech team. Um, so if you're able to help with media, cameras, sound, all that kind of stuff, then come and speak to myself or even Lindsay, who's up the back, and uh, let us know. That would be really helpful. I'm going to ask Anne to come up, and Anne's going to uh, lead us in a prayer, a uh, pastoral prayer for, for Ukraine. And thank you, Anne. Wrong way around. Take my glasses off and leaving my mask on, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to give you a wee update um, on how your money has been used and, you know, the money that we gave to 2540. Um, that'll be an ongoing thing and um, it's going straight out to Ukraine and to Poland. And my bigger boss, Steve is my boss, but my bigger boss in mission, um, Kirk McAteer is actually out in Poland right now and um, there's a, a short video um, just telling us about the church that he was visiting and how it's been converted um, to provide refuge for people fleeing from Ukraine. So your money is going directly to the cause. Also, Convoy of Hope, um, they've been feeding 9,000 people a day in seven countries. So you'll remember that Zach was here a few weeks ago. And just to give you a wee heads up, we're hoping to get him to one of our prayer meetings very soon and give us an update. And although, I mean, we have given money and that's what people want to do, but at this time, we're all in this war where it's impacting us in a different way, but we still need to continue to support. So we're looking at what ways we can do that not just in giving money, but of, of other things that we could do. So we're in discussion and we'll keep you um, updated on that. But I just wanted to remind people of Psalm 146, um, verse 9, from the Passion Translation. It says, You watch over strangers and immigrants and support the fatherless and widows, but you subvert the plans of the ungodly. So just, again... I can't help, but the worship really impacts on me. And just you singing that other one again. Um, just, you know, we're putting our trust in him and his ways are higher than ours. So we need to keep praying into the situation um, and praying for peace, praying for the people. So that's what we're going to do now. Okay, so. Heavenly Father, we come to you again to pray about the crisis in Ukraine. Father, we pray for the people who are on the ground. We pray for those people who are afraid, they're lonely, they're frightened, they're just, they have no idea what they're going to do and fleeing the country. And Father, we just pray that you would give them a peace and, and a way out of Ukraine if that's what is necessary. For those who are staying, Lord, and I'm talking particularly about our pastors, our ministers, our priests, all those people who are in the country and surrounding countries, I pray protection on them, Lord. And I pray for those who have stayed in Ukraine. They speak the language. It's their community too. And Father, they're needed. And we pray that uh, we, we say that, you know, they are your hands and feet, that you're, they're demonstrating your love in the earth. And we pray protection on them. Father, we pray for politicians. We pray for them as they make decisions. We pray that the sanctions that are already in place um, and, and more to come will be enough to prevent an escalation. We pray that po the politicians, you know, talk about peace and try not to say things that could make the situation worse. So, but Father, sometimes we are looking on it and we don't see any way but your ways are higher and where we can't find a way, Lord, you'll find a way. So while we're praying, Lord, um, for Ukraine, I want to pray for our own church and our, our role in all of this. I pray, Lord, that you would guide us in what we have to do. 
but I pray for all the mums today and such a blessed day and pray for the mums and how lucky we are to have our mums. I'm so fortunate still to have my mum in her 80s and, and for all the women, whether you're a mum and we've got a new mum in today with Laura and, and Sammy here and delighted to see them and Father, we pray blessing over them. And I pray, Father, for those who um, are, need a touch from you, be it through illness, through the COVID um, virus, uh, if it's fear and anxiety, um, for those who are grieving, Lord, I pray that you would just touch people and that they would feel your presence. I pray, Father, for our leadership team as we move forward with the vision. Um, the vision statement will be brought to the church in a few weeks, and I pray, Lord, that you support our leadership through this, and I pray, Lord, that the church come on board, that we step up and step out in faith and trust in you. Father, Peter stepped out of the boat, and when he faltered, the Lord was there to help him. And Father, that's what it's like for us. We don't do it in our strength, we do it in your strength. And we have a whole community here that needs to know about you. Um, in Ukraine, 70% of the people are Christians. That's much higher than it is in the UK. So Father, we just pray for the church that people will step up, that they'll use their giftings and they'll support the leadership in taking forward our vision. I just pray a blessing on everybody today, Father, in your name. Amen. Thank you, Anne. That was excellent. I just want to also say thanks to Sam's and Stuart for covering for me last weekend. Um, so, yeah, it was great to have others to step in. Um, and, uh, yeah, last week I was supposed to share about Vision Sunday. Um, so that clearly didn't happen. Today we were supposed to have Fred. That clearly didn't happen. Um, but the Sunday before that, I, I never really said this at the time, but I had been working on a message, which at the last minute I changed and then started working on the message that I'm going to share today. But a few Sundays ago, I actually changed. I actually changed. I was on to my third message. So the one I shared a couple of weeks ago was actually my third message that week. I thought, no, this is not right. So God obviously knows what he's doing. So we will reschedule Vision Sunday very soon. Um, maybe next week. It may be a couple of weeks out. We'll just see. Um, I didn't want to start sharing all that, having not been on uh, an even keel throughout the week. So, but today I, I want to share a little message entitled "According to the Pattern," and I'll just grab my clicker. And uh, really, this this message kind of came out um, last year as I was reading through the Bible in a year. And it was something that I noticed last year, not this year. But this year, as I was reading through again, I could see it again and, and see it more fully. Um, and, and it's really um, entitled, According to the Pattern. And it's when God gives the instructions for the tabernacle to, to Moses. And I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. You may or may not. This is an image, an atlas impression of what the Old Testament talks about as the tabernacle, the tent, the place where God would come and meet with his people, the place where they began uh, to worship God through the sacrificial system, um, which is, looking back, it seems very strange to us, but actually, it's, it's really incredible when you start to study this, because all of that stuff there points towards Jesus. I'd like to share a message in that, but I'm not going to do that today. But that's really exciting when we see how all of this, the sacrificial system and, and even the setup of this construction points towards Jesus. Everything in Scripture, even in the Old Testament, everything points towards Christ. And, and when we're reading it, we need to bear that in mind. And the more we read it, the more we begin to see, actually, it does. It points towards Jesus. And today I want to just read um, a little verse from Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5, and it says this, they, talking about the Hebrews in this time, offer worship in a sanctuary that is a sketch and shadow of the heavenly one. For Moses, when he was about to erect the tent or the tabernacle, we saw the picture of this, was he was warned, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. It had to be made exactly as God instructed him. And the reason for that is because everything in there points to a future time to Christ when he would be the fulfillment of 
what was happening in those days. And it says in here that it's a, a sketch and a shadow. That picture that we looked at there, the sacrificial system there, is just a shadow. And the way that I think about this is, if you think about the glory of God, and God, like a big mass of light, as he shines on Jesus, Jesus casts this shadow, and that shadow is what we see in the Old Testament. And as we come through the Old Testament and get closer to Jesus, to what happens in the New Testament, then we begin to see the real thing. The real thing is not Coca-Cola. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not getting paid for advertising here. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe Coca-Cola should give the church a donation for this, if you're watching. <laughs> and I, I just, I want to just try and bring out some thoughts from what I saw as I read through these passages a year ago and again as I read through them just recently. Three things that I see in this passage, vision, engagement, and fulfillment. Vision, engagement, and fulfillment. And I want to start by suggesting that God paints the picture. God is the one who gives the vision. God is the one who will give us a vision for our own lives, for our families, for our church, and for our community in which we live. Any vision that's worth pursuing finds its origin in God. God paints the picture for us. Was it Rolf Harris who used to do those paintings? And they'd say, have you guessed what it is yet? It's my best Australian accent. He was Australian, wasn't he? All right. And Moses was told to make this according to the pattern, according to exactly what God would show him as Moses was on that mountaintop. This is what Exodus 25, uh, 8 and 9 says. And have them make me a sanctuary so that I may dwell among them. God's desire is to live with his people always. That's how it started in Genesis. God wanted to live with his new creation. Sin got in the way and broke that connection. And all the way through the Old Testament, we see people trying to remake that connection they would offer sacrifices so that they could remake that connection. But that old system, the old covenant, the old testament would only go so far. What was established in new, the new covenant through Christ was that sacrifice, that once and for all sacrifice. Why? Because God wants to live amongst us. God wants to live amongst his people. In accordance with all that I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, so you shall make it. If we're going to catch a vision from God for our lives, for our church, for our community, we need to have our head in the game. We need to have our head in the game. It's so easy to come to church, and let's talk about the vision of the church for a little second, it's so easy to come and listen to what's shared and it go whoosh, straight over our head. Why? Because our head is not in the game. We're thinking about the Sunday roast or where we're going to go for Mother's Day or whatever we're thinking about that isn't about what God is saying in the moment. I think it's so important to keep coming to church week by week. Let me just say that again. Come into church week by week because I don't get up here and share just because I feel it would be good for my health to do that. I share what I feel God is putting in my heart. And so often there's a theme that runs through the things that I share. And I'm, I'm hoping that people catch that theme so that we begin to grasp what God is saying to the church. Sometimes God gives a really specific message for a specific Sunday and people come back after after that Sunday and say, that was really for me. We need to be in a place where we can hear what God is saying, where we can catch that vision of what God is saying for our lives. But we need to have our head in the game. And it's only when our head is in the game that we catch the vision from God. It was the same with Noah. Hearing from God, build me an ark. And Noah's like, what's an ark? And God gives him specific instructions to build this big massive boat and he's like you are having a laugh here there is no sea you're kidding me on here and God says the rain's going to come and I'm going to wipe creation out and I'm going to start afresh God gave Noah a vision for the ark 
It was the same with Solomon when Solomon began to build the temple, David's son. And when Solomon built the temple, it was excellent. Even the queen of Sheba came to see all that Solomon had built, and she was absolutely gobsmacked. Zerubbabel, who built the second temple, because the first one that Solomon built was destroyed by the Babylonians, and they were in captivity for 70 years, and then they began to make their way back to the old country and to build the temple again. They built the temple first, and then later on, Nehemiah, he would receive a vision from God to build the walls. I find it amazing that they started with the temple and not the walls. I think I would have started with the walls to make us all nice and safe and cozy. And then we would have started with the temple. No. Why? Because the worship of God needs to come first in our lives. But it always starts with a vision that originates in the heart of God. This was God's plan. Adam and Eve broke fellowship with God through sin. God's continual purpose through the tabernacle, through the temple, through the second temple, and now through Christ, who is the ultimate fulfillment of that, so that we can have a relationship with God. But it starts with a vision. God paints the picture. Then the second thing is that God prepares the people. I've called that engagement. Hands that are willing to work. What's that wee advert now? Hands that do dishes can be whiter than something. Okay. Am I getting my tunes mixed up? Fairy liquid, I. Hands that are willing to work. I don't know about you. I, I was just so glad to be out of isolation. I'd been in my cell for 10 days, in my cell, in my cell. I was so glad just to be out, and I, out of isolation that I went into the garden. And I just wanted to put my hands to work, and I've got the blisters to prove it. I wanted to be in the garden doing some work. I'm like, I just need to get out and do something. Hands that are willing to work. God wants us to get engaged with the vision that he has for your life. You've got to take hold of that vision and say, okay, Lord, how are we going to put that into practice? What am I going to do? And in Exodus 31, we begin to read this. God calls people. The Lord spoke to Moses. See, I have called by name... Bezalel, there's a good name, son of Uri, son of Har, of the tribe of Judah, and I, I have filled him with divine spirit, with ability, intelligence, and knowledge of every craft to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting stones for setting and in carving wood and every kind of craft. Moreover, I have appointed with him Oholiab, there's another funny name, son of Ahismach, I had to practice saying that out loud this morning, of the tribe of Dan, and I have given skill to all the skillful, so that they may make all that I have commanded you. God gives the vision, he paints the picture, but God prepares the people. I remember reading about Bezalel many years ago, and I thought, wow, what an incredibly talented and gifted guy. Here's the thing. God has gifted each one of us in different ways to fulfill a purpose in his church, to fulfill his vision for this church. Bezalel, he had knowledge and skills, but crucially, he had the Holy Spirit empowering him. Bezalel had the number two guy, Oholiab. Such a funny name. Not only was there a leader who could direct all this work, there was a number two guy to help him. Leaders, we need to have number two guys that are bringing on that can take on the role that we are working ourselves out of, says he. I need an associate pastor. But also they trained other people. And it wasn't just one person, it wasn't just two people. There were a number of people skilled to actually make this happen, to bring that tabernacle into being. And they were all part of a team. God prepares the people. God helps us to be engaged in what he has. Moses, he was the lead guy, if you like. He was not only a spiritual and religious leader, he was a moral, political, legal, and military leader. You think about that. 
for millions of people. One man who had to take care of everything, the legal stuff, the military stuff, the moral stuff, the religious stuff. I'm like, this guy was incredible. I, I think Moses as a leader is so, so incredible. And then alongside Moses, his brother and their sons, and even Miriam, who was part of the team, but they were served to be the, the priests, called to be the priests, sorry. They were the religious observance guys. They made all of that stuff at the tabernacle happen. Then there was another guy, a son of Aaron called Ithmar. And Ithmar kept track of everything that was given. He was the numbers guy. Start to sound like one of these hustle movies, eh? He was the numbers guy. He kept track of everything that was coming in. We've already spoke about Bezalel and Aholiab, skilled and who could also teach and instruct others. These were the, these were the craft guys. These were the, the techie guys, if you like. These were the, the creative type of guys who were able to make all this happen, surrounded by skilled workers to carry out the work, the hard graft guys. I don't know about you, where do you see yourself fitting in? I always thought of myself for many years as the hard graft guy. Let me know what I need to do, and I'll go on and do it, and I'll work hard at it. What God calls us to, the roles that he has for us, changes as time goes on. And then all the people, all the people were able to get involved. All the people were able to give as their heart moved them. And that's the last thing that I want to talk about today is fulfillment. God provides the resources by people whose hearts are moved to give. This is what it says in Exodus 35, 4 and 5. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, or bronze. Then it goes on to say in verse 20 and 22, I'll put part of that up on the screen. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence so they'd heard the vision, they'd heard the command, they knew how they had to engage with it, and then they left and went back to their homes. And that's where this bit starts to happen. Not in the community, not in the congregation, it's when we go home and we think about things and we pray about things that we go, actually, I need to be part of that. That's where the processing happens when we go back to our home. And then it says this, Everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service and for the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds, brooches, earrings, rings, and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. They were moved to give by their heart. Moved to give by their heart. And when it talks about being moved, it might sound really obvious, but to move something, you've got to go from one place to another place. You've got to go from having to giving. And that's what this is talking about here. They had things and they were moved in their heart to give those things so that the vision from God could be fulfilled Giving is not an issue of the head, okay? It's not about what we think we're going to do and what we think is a good idea. Giving is an issue of the heart. It's always an issue of the heart. If you read through Scripture, it's an issue of the heart, not an issue of the head. Giving is not about how long our arms are and how short our pockets are, or vice versa, how we decide to look at that. Giving is an issue of the heart. And here's what it says. Everyone who is willing and whose heart moved them. It's the heart that moves the hand. Always. The heart that moves the hand. When we begin to grasp that God has a vision for our lives, for our families, for our church, for our community, it's the heart that ultimately moves the hand. It's the heart even that moves us to be part of the fulfillment of what God is saying. Moved at this level. Not here, but here. And I want to tell you a really short story. I've really tried to condense this into just four little paragraphs. To tell you about a little girl called Hattie Mae. 
and her 57 cents. Has anybody heard that story before? Hattie Mae Wyatt is her name, and it's about 57 cents. In a sermon delivered on the 1st of December 1912 by Russell H. Cornwell, he spoke about a little girl called Hattie Mae Wyatt. She lived near a church where the Sunday school was very crowded, and he told her that one day they would have buildings big enough to allow everyone who wanted to, to attend. And this is what he said to her. This is what is recorded. As we met, I said, Hattie, we're going to have a larger Sunday school room soon. And she said, I hope you will. It is so crowded that I'm afraid to go in there alone. Well, I replied, when we get the money with which to erect a, a school building, we're going to construct one large enough to get all the little children in. And we're going to begin very soon to raise the money for it. Listen to what he says. It was only in my mind as a kind of imaginary vision, but I wished to make conversation with a child. Later, and this is where the story takes a twist, Hattie Mae Wyatt became sick and she died. And Reverend Cornwell was asked to do the funeral and the girl's mother told him that Hattie Mae had been saving money to help build a bigger church and gave him a little purse in which she had saved 57 cents. Reverend Cornwell had the 57 cents turned into 57 pennies, don't know what that means, and told the congregation the story of little Hattie Mae and he sold the pennies and in return received $250, which was enough to buy a house that was big enough to hold what was happening at that point in time. But they outgrew the house. Then the crowd, he says, became so great that we could no longer get in there and thought, the thought impressed itself upon our congregation. We ought to have a larger church and a larger Sunday school room. Faith in God was the characteristic of this people. And they said, we can do it, notwithstanding the fact that the church had a mortgage on it then, I think of 30,000 pounds, and that we had no money in advance. It goes on to say, we could hardly have dreamed then that in the number of years that followed, this people without wealth, each giving only as they could afford from their earnings, could have paid off such a great debt without any outside help. And out of this work, this tiny little work, came a hospital, a university, and a church which is still there in the States, all because one little girl heard about the vision and her heart was moved and she saved 57 cents which was probably quite a lot for a wee girl from a poor family who had nothing and out of that grew something incredible I'm hoping that you're catching what I'm trying to say here today God is our provider God is no man's debtor and it's God that stirs our hearts to give he stirred the heart of this little girl called Hattie Mae Wyatt to save just a little amount, but a little in God's hands goes a long way. Why build the tabernacle at all? Because it pointed towards something that was much better. This is what it says in the following verse in Hebrews, chapter 8, verse 6. But Jesus has now obtained a more excellent ministry and to that degree, he is the mediator of a better covenant which has been enacted through better promises. Jesus is that once and for all sacrifice. I remember when we were thinking about vision many years ago in the church, I heard somebody at Global Leadership Summit talking about how Jesus is the vision. And I was so moved. I thought, at the end of the day, that's it. Jesus is the vision. He is the one who has fulfilled all this for us. He is the one who has made the way. Jesus, Jesus is the New Testament, the new covenant, the new agreement. Maybe one day we'll look at that tabernacle and see how it all points to, to Jesus. It's really exciting when you begin to see it. The whole thing, the whole thing. The process is you come into that tent and walk through all those different stages. Every, every artifact in that tabernacle says something about Jesus and his finished work. 
This is the real thing. We today have the real thing. We have Jesus. And if you don't have Jesus in your life today, then you're missing out on the real thing. You're missing out on a source of life that will carry you through every valley, through every dark time, and even in the good times. He's the real thing. And God wants to work in his people, real people, and give you real power to see the fulfillment of what he has said. Just to summarize, vision is your head in the game. Is your head in the game today? Or is your head full of games? <laughs> That's the alternative. Ah, give me a wee minute, I'm just on my Xbox. I can't play the Xbox, I don't know. <laughs> Second thing, engagement. Are your hands willing to serve? And the third thing is fulfillment. Is your heart moved to give to what God wants to do? You see, God's not working in a spiritual vacuum. God works hand in hand with real people. I love the idea of when I'm facing something that I'm scared about, that I take my dad's hand and that we go forward in that together. Hand in hand with God. And everything that God does, there is a purpose for it. And we need to find our place in the purposes of God. We need to pray real prayers. Real people with real struggles praying real prayers for real situations that are happening in our lives. We say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done in my life, in my family, in my situation, in my church, in my community, as it is in heaven. What does that mean for us? Father, what does it mean for your will to be done in my life? Because God has a real purpose for this earth, and there's a real enemy who wants to come and frustrate that purpose, and he will start in us, and he will start in our hearts, and he will start to challenge our faith. And he will start to challenge us in every way. He will cha challenge what we've heard God say. He will challenge the promises of God. What did he say to Adam and Eve? Did God really say? Did God really say? Did Jesus really? Was he really born of a virgin? How can you believe that in the 21st century? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? That's ridiculous. That's utter nonsense. No, it's not. The enemy will try to sow things into our mind to get us away from the Lord to take our eyes off of Jesus so that we're distracted by the problems and situations. And let's just, as we close, take a little reality check. This is reality check time. With every vision, with every blessing comes affliction. Ask Moses. Every vision has a cost attached to it, and I don't mean the financial cost. I'm talking about the emotional and spiritual and mental and physical cost. Every vision, everything that God has for us, there is a cost attached to it. Ask Moses about that too. I wish Moses were here today to tell us what it was like to lead those people for 40 years in the wilderness with all their greeting and all moaning, and all complaining, and all doubts, and all their idolatry. Could you imagine Moses coming down off the mountain with the two tablets, and seeing the golden calf, and listening to them dancing around that, and having a big whoop whoop party, worshipping a golden calf? And Moses like, what the heck am I doing here? Ten commandments! Drops them and smashes them. He was probably pretty ticked off with them. Ask Moses. It's not easy. <laughs> but there's nothing to beat following Jesus. Nothing to beat following Jesus. And no matter what we face, no matter what doubts we have, no matter what questions we have or challenges we have, He is walking with us through every challenge. Today, Jesus has said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Some Russian dictator will not prevail against it. Mercenaries will not prevail against it. Terrorists will not prevail against it. And we need to pray for our brothers and sisters who are facing difficult times. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
God is asking us to get engaged with the process of building, to have hands that are willing to work, to catch the vision from God and to say, here am I, this is what I can bring. This is who you have gifted me to be. This is who, by your spirit living in me, who I can be and what I can bring to see the fulfillment of the vision. This is what I have in my pockets. Two hankies, nothing else at the moment. That's not really much good to anybody. What do we have to give? We can all play a part as our hearts are moved. Let's just pray as we finish off today. Father, we thank you for who you are. Father, we thank you that you're a constant force for good in our lives. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you live within us. Jesus, we thank you that you died for us on that cross 2,000 years ago, that you came to fulfill all the law, all the prophets, everything that had been said. You came and you fulfilled that in your death and your resurrection. And Father, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is seated at your right hand today and that he prays for us, that he pours out his heart on our behalf. And Father, we pray, help us to be like Jesus today. Our Father who art in heaven, Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. Father, may we, as we are in Christ, be seated at your right hand and intercede on behalf of others who need our prayers today. Father, we ask that you would cause a spirit of prayerfulness to rise within your people here in this church. Father, we have said it time and time again, nothing of eternal value, value is accomplished without prayer. Father, we pray, help us to grasp this reality for ourselves, for our families, and for our church, and for our community, and the communities that we represent as a church here today. And Father, we ask that you will fulfill your purpose. Maybe there are some people today in the building, online, and you've never grasped that vision that Jesus has for your life. You've never invited it in. And when you invite him in, he changes your heart. He doesn't just fix the heart that you've got. He takes out that old heart, that stony heart, and he puts in a new heart that will beat at the same time as his. And if you've never invited Jesus into your heart, then today I want to give you an opportunity to do that by saying a, a really simple prayer. And if you pray this prayer, let us know. And we want to just get alongside you and pray for you. Just pray this prayer after me. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you have a vision for my life. I thank you that you have a purpose for my life. I thank you that you can give my life fresh meaning and direction and purpose. I just want to acknowledge where I've tried to do things my own way and ask that you come in Forgive me, clean me, give me a new heart and help me to walk in your ways in Jesus' name. And Father, we ask for every person who prays that prayer and Father, you're doing something in a heart that you would fulfill your purpose for that person. Father, that they would take that step to put their trust wholly in you. And Lord, we look forward to all that you want to do in our lives, even today, even this week. Father, we look forward to what you want to say and do in our lives. Lord, may we know the blessing of God in our lives. Father, today, for those who are online, for those who can't make it here today because they're ill or sick, Father, for others who may not be with us today and who would normally be here, Father, we just pray for your blessing. We pray, Lord, that you would just continue to meet needs that we have. And Lord, we just ask that you'd help us to keep our eyes fixed in Jesus today and this week is it is we, we don't know what it'll bring father but help us to keep our eyes fully fixed on you and that we might see that vision as we as we just grasp what it is that you're saying and showing us and father may we be fully engaged in the fulfillment of that vision and father we pray that we be part of the fulfillment of that vision through what we can give in jesus name we ask amen amen the lord bless you have a fantastic day enjoy the sunshine Whatever you do, uh, mothers, we hope you have a blessed day. Amen.